Okay, thank you, Charles. Appreciate that. I think more people knew it than you thought. That's right. All right, let's turn to Psalms uh, 143 tonight. Psalm 143. Better get some glasses out. When you feel chafed underneath your um, mask tonight, just think of the brethren in Sydney and realise they can't even meet. I don't think they're able to meet, are they, at the moment? So uh, just think of them and think of the Halanas and, you know, they left here and walked straight into lockdown and lockdown's extended and who knows how long it'll be. So uh, let's be thankful rather than grizzle about our masks, all right? Yeah. Psalm 143. Uh, I just want to read this psalm. It's a psalm of David and, uh, uh, and it's a prayer. It's his prayer in the midst of um, uh, probably overwhelming discouragement for him at the time. We don't know exactly when it was that he wrote it. Some say it was when he was fleeing from Absalom. I, um, I personally struggle with that as I've read it and meditated on it. I think it's probably more likely when he was fleeing from Saul, but uh, it matters not. He was, he was being... Um, uh, discouraged by his enemies he mentions his enemy three times and so I I, I I think personally myself it was probably when he was being pursued by Saul but let's read it shall we hear my prayer O Lord give ear to my supplications in thy faithfulness answer me and in thy righteousness and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. And destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. 
All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, tonight we just thank you for your word and thank you that we can read it freely and thank you, Lord, that we can can study it and, and look at it for a few moments. And Lord, as we look here at the life of David and perhaps a very low point that he found himself in, help us to learn from him and from your word what we can do when we're in such uh, situations as well. So Lord, we just commit ourselves to you now. We uh, commit our brethren that can't be with us to you. And Lord, we also think of Pastor Halana and his family and Lord, other brethren in Sydney and just commit them to you tonight. We pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Rhonda and I were privileged over the weekend and spent a bit of last week up in Cairns. Um, saw our daughter Lydia and, and uh, son-in-law Brad for a bit. That was a blessing. But we particularly went up to um, attend 60th wedding anniversary of a dear couple that we know, uh, Kevin and Pat Milson. Um, some of you may know them, but possibly most of you don't. But uh, they, they've been a blessing to us. And uh, when we were out on the station, when I was managing the station, uh, I didn't really know them that well before that. I'd met them at Ingham a couple of times when, we'd, when I was pastoring the church at Gladstone and we used to take children up to the camps at, at Ingham and uh, the Milsons used to often come out to the evening rallies. And so I met them there but really didn't get to know them that well. But when we were out on the station, they found us out and they particularly came and visited us. There wasn't too many that came and found us out on the station. I mean, it was a thousand k's west of here and uh, we were 80 k's off the highway as well. And so we didn't get many visitors, needless to say. But at the time, I wasn't looking for visitors. I was sort of happy with solitude. But uh, the Milsons found us out and they came and visited us. And, and by the, uh, you know, they sort of came every year for a little while. And uh, our kids got to adopt them as, as their, um, you know, grandparents. And uh, so they were a real blessing to us. So uh, when 10 years ago we went up to their 50th wedding anniversary and, and uh, then and he asked me to speak at, at his 50th, or their 50th, sorry, their 50th wedding anniversary and then 10 years have gone by just like that. You know, we've been here for 10 years and, and all of a sudden it's their 60th and, and he asked me to speak again, which was quite an honour. Uh, but, you know, not many make it to 60, do they now? 60 wedding anniversary. What are you up to, Brother Holowaddy? 50? 50. Okay, 10 years and 60. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, that's off the track, isn't it? David uh, wrote this psalm, as I, as I said, and uh, he, was, he was in some struggles at the time, uh, probably pursued by Saul. But I, I thought this was a good uh, psalm for us to look at because it's, it's a prayer. And uh, I just want to encourage you that there's times perhaps where you don't know what to pray. Just grab a psalm. 
and pray the psalm, you know. It, it, okay, you're praying somebody else's words, but, you know, the Lord heard David and he can teach us through the, through the words of somebody else that prayed. And, uh, you know, you can, you can pray through the psalms and especially a, prayer, a, a psalm that talks about his prayer. And he starts off, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my, uh, my supplication. I think he was in real discouragement at the time. You look at the ver- end of verse 3 and he speaks about the fact that uh, the enemy hath persecuted my soul in verse 3, smitten me down to the, my life down to the ground and he's made me to dwell in darkness. And it probably a reference to dark places that David had to hide, probably caves. You know, we know David spent a lot of time in caves and uh, you can imagine sort of the discouragement that could have set in, you know, days on end, hiding from Saul. And it seemed like, you know, he was just one step ahead of Saul all the time. And I'm sure that was the Lord, you know. The Lord kept him hidden from Saul or kept him away from Saul. But he was often Saul on one side of the mountain and David on the other. And, you know, we know the instance of David in the cave. And what did he have? 400-odd men that were with him? That's a fair feat, isn't it? You know, for 400 men to hide from an army of thousands and Saul leading them, and they pursued him like a dog. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think it was smitten my life down to the ground, why I think it's, it's Saul and not Absalom, and caused me to dwell in darkness or dark places like caves. Whereas, that, you know, when Absalom pursued him, he never dwelt in caves in that time, he dwelt in in a city while the army went to war against Absalom. And Absalom, uh, you know, was, was, was dear to David's heart. Even though Absalom was his enemy, yet David longed after Absalom. And he longed to see Absalom kept safe, you know, kept alive. Where here David sort of asks even at the end that uh, his enemies be destroyed. In verse 12, although he, as we know, determined that he wasn't going to destroy his enemy himself. He said, no, he's the Lord's anointed. Let the Lord deal with him. I'm not going to touch him. So um, that's personally why I think it's Saul. But it, whoever it is, it's, it's an enemy that was persecuting him. It's an enemy that was... was uh, 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 causing great dismay f- to him and it was an enemy that in the end he asked to destroy him. He mentions the enemy three times here. In verse 9 is the third time, deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. And that's the great thing about David, you know. He acknowledged his enemies but he said, I flee to you to hide me. And God did. God, hi- God hid him. All right, I, I see in this psalm uh, at least six things that David asked the Lord for. First of all, he asked him to hear my prayer in verse 1 
And in verse 7, he says, hear me speedily, O Lord. He says, my spirit faileth. You know, he, he was really in, in a spot. He was really discouraged. He was, uh, he was feeling like he was, you know, going to fade away. And so he sort of says, you know, hear me speedily. But I want you to notice there's at least five other things that, that David asks God for. You know, he, he asked him to hear, hear, hear him, but then in verse 8, he switches it round and he says to the Lord, cause me to hear. You know, we, we can be quick to sort of ask God to hear us, can't we? And uh, Lord, hear my prayer. My prayer is all important sort of thing. And we all feel like that. And that you know, we're human. We're, we're like David. Lord, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, Lord. But then he switches around and he says, oh, Lord, perhaps he sort of feels a little sorry and he says, cause me to hear, cause me to hear. Even in the midst of my struggles and my troubles, he says, Lord, cause me to hear. And, and I, I, uh, it really struck me as to what he asked the Lord to cause him to hear, you know. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. You know, was it at night when he said this? I don't know. Was he sort of going to wait till the morning before he heard from the Lord? Or I don't know. Again, doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. In the morning. Perhaps he's sort of thinking, at the beginning of the day, I need to hear your loving kindness. And I sort of struggle sort of thinking, well, how do you hear God's loving kindness? How do you hear it? Perhaps from reading God's word. You know, God speaks to us through his word, doesn't he? And we hear him. We hear him. Now, David didn't have as much of God's word as what you and I have. But he had some. He had all the five books of Moses. And I'm sure he read it, you know. He meditated upon it because he speaks about that in verse 5. But he says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. And it sort of made me think of Lamentations. Come with me to Lamentations chapter 3. We'll only look at one verse outside of some... Uh, the Lamentations chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles. Jeremiah, Lamentations. And, uh, you know, Jeremiah is a is a book of struggle. Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah when, you know, uh, Israel or Judah was being encompassed by the Babylonians and, and the Babylonians eventually took Jerusalem and they were marched off into uh, 70 years bondage. But uh, Lamentations is written after the destruction of Jerusalem and so after most of the people had been taken down to Babylon. But look what uh, Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3 in verse 22. I won't read the whole chapter, but, but I think Jeremiah was in the pits at the time. You know, he was discouraged because of the destruction of Jerusalem and all that they'd gone through. And, uh, but, um, but have a look at verse 21. Verse 21, and we'll read about three verses. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. And a bit like David back, we'll see in a minute, 
You know, he, he recalled things to mind and he thought about the past, he thought about the ancients, he thought about uh, great things that had happened and, and it encouraged him. And, and uh, Jeremiah was the same. Therefore, have I hope. This I recall to mind. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Oh, that's something to think about in the morning, isn't it? It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Compassions are like loving kindness, isn't it? Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Oh, brethren, we need to be uh, reminded of this every day. And morning's a good time to start the day off right. You know, get our attitude right. I, um, I, I uh, haven't heard Brother Paul's message from Sunday morning, but I hear it was very good. And, uh, but I have heard Pastor uh, Phil Highland's message and uh, he talks about, at the beginning of it, having a good attitude. He said, you know, you get a bad attitude when you come down that highway from, from the Sunshine Coast and it's bumper to bumper. And, uh, and I remember hearing him say, you pray for me that the preacher gets a good attitude. And I think that's a good thing for us all, isn't it? To ask the Lord at the, in the morning. First thing in the morning, Lord, give me a good attitude for today. Help me to remember thy loving kindness. And, and uh, here, um, Jeremiah is saying, you know, it's of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. His compassions, his loving kindness to us, they are new every morning, every morning. God's faithfulness, his compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, all right, let's go back to Psalm 143. Psalm 143. So David says, after he'd, he'd entreated the Lord to hear him, he says, oh, Lord, cause me to hear. Perhaps stop, you know, stop in the morning and start the day right. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. He affirms his trust in the Lord once again and says, Lord, help me start the day right. Help me to hear your loving kindness this morning. And then he, said, he, he says, cause me to know again, only cause me to, to, to hear, but cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. You know, if we start the day right, hearing the Lord's loving kindness... It's only, only, you know, natural that we would walk with him afterwards, isn't it? Natural step to walk with him. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Perhaps in his situation he's asking the Lord, cause me to know the way to keep away from Saul. But he doesn't talk about, he doesn't name his enemy, he just says, Lord, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk today. And perhaps that's involved in it, that he would know the way to walk and just keep one step ahead of Saul. And brethren, you and I don't know. Sometimes we don't know who our enemies are. But the Lord knows. And he has his angels to watch over us and to protect us and to keep us and to guide us and Maybe one day we'll know all the instances 
where the Lord has kept us just one step ahead of our enemies. Perhaps had an angel in between. We don't know. We're not to worship the angels so he doesn't sort of show them to us. Otherwise we probably would, wouldn't we? All right, so cause me, he says, cause me to hear, cause me to know. And then verse 9, deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I'm just going to sort of mention them now because, you know, I don't want to take too long. It's just it's Wednesday night, just a few thoughts before we pray. But I'd encourage you to go away and just look at this psalm afresh and, and uh, just ask the Lord to help you and me, the same way that he helped David. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies, verse 9. Verse 10, teach me to do thy will. Teach me to do thy will. Good things for us to pray every day, but at any time. Verse 11, quicken me, O Lord, quicken me or revive me. For thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Good things to ask the Lord for, aren't they? But I want to just point out to you now some things that David did himself. You know, we can't do anything to add to our salvation, can we? We can't do anything to get saved. But there are some things we can do in our walk with the Lord, though, and uh, I'll just point out there's seven things in the psalm that David particularly says that he did. He did off his own bat, off his own will. And sometimes we need to, uh, you know, grab a hold of our will and make it do things, make it do things that are right. And I'll point them out to you that what David did anyway. You know, in verse 4, his spirit was overwhelmed within him. My heart within me is desolate. But then he says, I remember, I remember in verse 5, I remember the days of old. Now, is he talking about his own days past? I, I don't know, maybe. Maybe he's remembering his father. Maybe he's remembering things that his father taught him. I remember the days of old. Perhaps he's thinking about, you know, Abraham even, the days of the beginning of Israel. Perhaps he's thinking about, you know, things past and that encouraged his faith, encouraged him in his walk with the Lord. Perhaps he was thinking about Abraham and Isaac going up that mountain, you know, to Mount Moriah. Perhaps he's thinking about the, all the sacrifices that have been made, uh, you know, after they came out of Egypt. Perhaps he think, th thinks about the, the Passover, you know, and the deliverance out of Egypt and how God led them through the wilderness. I don't know, but anyway, whatever it is, David says, I remember the days of old, and I think it encouraged him. And he goes on and says, I meditate, I meditate on all thy works. And that's a good thing for you and I to do, you know, meditate. We can meditate on the history of Israel, and it encourage us. We can meditate on our own family situation perhaps and it encourage us. We can particularly meditate on our own salvation the day we got saved. Perhaps we come from a family where there's nobody in the background of our family. You're the only one. 
You know, you're a first-generation Christian. Well, just meditate on the goodness of God for leading you out and setting you apart, setting you now to set an example for the rest of your family. Oh, great things to meditate on. Perhaps you're of a lineage, you know, where there's been people in your past. I don't know a lot about my uh, background or about my... uh, uh, my family's backgrounds, but I do know a little bit. My mother came, my mother's family, sorry, the Jacobs family came from the Isle of Wight and they shifted to South Australia fleeing um, persecution of sorts in England at the time. And, uh, and my, my father's family were of Welsh descent and, uh, and they came and settled in South Australia as well. And I... I don't doubt that there were some in the family that were saved. In the background, reading the history, you see that this one was a, was a preacher and a pastor and, and I believe some of them, I don't know that all of them were, but some of them definitely, it seems to me, were, were saved people. And so that's a great heritage, you know, to think about and to meditate upon as David did. I reckon he, 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 he spent time thinking about his family and his family heritage. I meditate on all thy works and then I muse or I ponder on the work of thy hands. So three things in that verse, verse 5, that David particularly did and they're good things for you and I. We're told to do them, aren't we? We're told to meditate on his word day and night and uh, to ponder, to muse on the work of thy hands, to think about the things uh, uh, of the past that are recorded for us in the Bible. Verse 6, he says, I stretch forth my hands. You see a progression here, can't you? You know, from discouragement and dismay and trodden down and dwelling in, I mean, it'd be enough for anybody to get discouraged, you know, having hiding away in caves for days on end. Darkness, dark places. And places where, you know, he says in verse 3, as those or like those that have been long dead, like in the grave, people in the grave. And I mean, we know in the catacombs in in Rome and other places that many Christians were buried in the catacombs, weren't they? I mean, it was commonplace in Israel to be buried in a tomb, like a cave, like Jesus was. So he's speaking about like those that have died in the past and they're just laying there for days on end, you know, days, days, years, all the rest of it. How long David spent in cave sides, we don't know but it was a fair while and it would discourage anybody. But as David is in those caves and and he, he begins to muse, he begins to meditate, he begins to remember, he says, then I lift up my hands or I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Oh, what an encouragement to you and I to just sort of Uh, Look at David and see what he did. The fifth thing that David did himself, he says, I trust. I trust in the middle of verse 8. I trust. In thee do I trust. Oh, once again, we can come back, you and I, 
and, and just affirm our trust in the Lord. Then at the end of verse 8, for I lift up my soul unto thee. You know, it's a conscious thing. It's a good thing, consciously, to lift up our soul to the Lord. Lift up our soul to the Lord. Lift up our hands, but lift up our soul to the Lord. In verse 9, he says, I flee unto thee to hide me. What a good thing to do. I flee unto thee to hide me. You know, I mean, he couldn't literally flee right now. He's in a cave. He's in, the, in a hole, in a cleft in the cave. And, uh, you know, what, what, was, what was going through David's mind the day that Saul came in to relieve himself? I mean, compassed about. They're all in the cave, all his men with him. And Abishai says, here's your opportunity, O king. Take his life. He just took the corner of his garment. But I mean the, the stealthiness, the silence. The pent up emotions. You know? Hard for you and I in a moment to sort of grasp it, isn't it? To try and put ourselves in that position. How would I do? Probably not very well. Whispering in his ear. Shine a light. Got a match. Silence. Just be silent. He's just outside. Just come in. Oh, just all the sort of emotions that David and his men went through. But David says, I flee unto thee to only you can hide me. And lastly, in verse 12, he finishes off, I am thy servant. I am thy servant. I think he came to the acknowledgement and realisation, all that's happened to me, Lord, you've allowed it. You've allowed it. I'm actually your bond slave. And you and I are are that, aren't we? You know, we're, we're bond slave of the Lord. He's redeemed us from the slavery to sin. We're actually his bond slave. If he allows us to go into a situation like David did, the Lord allows it. Just like Pastor Highland preached on Sunday night to Joseph. Joseph did not plan to go to Egypt. Joseph knew that one day he'd lead his family and be, you know, over them all. But he did not know how it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, he's a slave, literally, in Egypt. Horror of horrors. How can this be? This is impossible. God, you told me I'd lead my family. Yeah, well, I've got the way to do it. And it's not the way you think. Ah, oh, it's a struggle, isn't it? But God hasn't promised us a Christian life of roses. And maybe he's, you know, he's given us, uh, he's given us masks right now, but that's not very much, is it? Not very much. All right, just ponder on that, uh, that psalm. And I was reading this book the other day, and here's a plug for Brother Jewel. 
I, this is a good book. I bought it through uh, Brother Jill's bookstore. I had read it years ago when I was, before I became a pastor and and, uh, and it encouraged me much, but I actually came to a point. It speaks about uh, the called man and the driven man. It's called ordering your private world. And uh, the crux of, this, of it is, is are you called or are you driven? And the two main characters throughout the book are Saul and David. And Saul was a driven man, you know, driven by jealousy, envy, the whole thing, and he persecuted David, we know that. Whereas David was a cold man, and generally he lived a cold life, called to the Lord. And, you know, Psalm 143 is a testament to that, that, you know, when he got in the pits, he, he, he looked to the Lord and he got out of it. He was a cold man. But I was just reading this and, and uh, the other day, and I thought, oh, that's a good excerpt to finish on Wednesday night and it's not about David and it's not about Saul but it's a uh, it's a, a a missionary lady from time past called Mary Slessor and I'll just read an excerpt from this book a great name in modern missionary biography is Mary Slessor Slessor was a young single woman who left Scotland at the turn of the 20th century to go to a part of Africa that was then infested with disease and indescribable danger. The woman had an indomitable spirit and kept going where lesser men and women, living under the crushing pressures, broke down, ran and never came back. Once after a particularly draining day, she found herself trying to sleep in a crude jungle hut. Of that night, she wrote, I am not very particular about my bed these days, but as I lay on a few dirty sticks laid across and covered with a litter of dirty corn shells, with plenty of rats and insects, three women and an infant three days old alongside, and over a dozen sheep and goats and cows outside, you don't wonder that I slept little. But I had such a comfortable, quiet night in my own heart. I reckon she knew what David knew. She knew to flee to the Lord and the Lord was her trust. Let's us be encouraged tonight. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word again and just thank you for the example of David and thank you for the Psalms that he wrote and particularly Psalm 143 tonight and thank you for the example of this dear lady, uh, Mary Slessor. And uh, Lord, we don't wish to ever have to sleep in a place like she had to sleep in that night, but Lord, if we do, help us, Lord, like David, to flee to you and to meditate upon your goodness to us. And, and Lord, to lift up our hands to you and to lift up our soul to you and then to acknowledge, Lord, I am your servant. Father, we thank you. We commit ourselves to you now as we go to prayer in Jesus' name.